With two preseason games in the books, the Seahawks have gotten a good first look at their 2022 draft class. How have the rookies performed thus far? I'm going to be taking a close look on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Happy Blue Friday to all of our listeners. And as always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks fell in their second preseason game last night, a 27-11 to loss at Lumen Field to the Bears. Going to have more on that game coming up on our Monday episode today, dedicating this episode to an extended mailbag. A lot of questions from you, the listeners, and there's been so much going on with a short game week that we weren't able to get to those questions. So I'm going to be tackling those, plus my first progress report for Seattle's rookie class. How have the first-year players looked so far in training camp? and the first two preseason games. The teacher in me is excited to hand out my first grades of the 2022 season. This episode is brought to you by Elias. Their app lets you access team and player stats, head-to-head team comparisons. Give yourself the edge this NFL season. Find Elias' game plan in the App Store or Play Store today. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks fell to 0-2 in the preseason last night, and while certainly disappointing, not winning one of these first two preseason games. Seattle's been excited about its incoming rookie class. They've had a chance now to see most of these players on the field for extended action in preseason games, as well as 12 training camp practices. And there certainly have been some flashes for all these players. There's also been your expected rookies bumps in the road. A lot of those happening last night in the preseason loss to the Bears. So let's get to our first progress report of the 2022 season, taking a look at where this rookie class stands and dishing out my grades real quick, just looking at all nine selections. I'll go through each player here as we go, but dishing out my grades, Charles Cross, I'm going to give a solid B, Boye Mafe, a C plus, Ken Walker III, a B plus, Abraham Lucas, A minus, Kobe Bryant, B, Tariq Woolen, A minus, Tariq Smith, D plus, Bo Melton, C minus, and Dariq Young, B. Now, this is based not just in the preseason games. These grades are also based on the things that I've observed watching the majority of the training camp practices. I obviously missed a couple of those practices when the Seahawks were playing during my wedding, so I wasn't able to get to all 12 practices, but I've been out there for the vast majority, so I've been able to watch how these rookies have performed on the field. And let's start with Charles Cross. The negative right off the bat has been the penalties. Last night had four false starts in one game, also had a holding penalty. So five total penalties against him. That certainly is going to sell you the grade sum. But you take those penalties out of the equation, I think Charles Cross has been as good as advertised in these first two preseason games. He has been locking opponents down in pass protection. He's made some nice blocks in the run game. You can see the light feet, the natural athleticism. And there was one play that really stood out to me last night. And unfortunately, the Seahawks had to punt the very next play because Freddie Swain didn't catch the ball. A perfect throw from Geno Smith. But Geno Smith had tons of time in the pocket working against a stunt that the Bears were running on both sides of the line. And Robert Quinn was the one that Charles Cross was tasked with blocking. This is a guy that had almost 20 sacks a year ago. 
washed him down the line of scrimmage, allowed a perfect pocket for Geno Smith to deliver a really beautiful pass that unfortunately Freddie Swain could not bring in. But those are the kind of plays that we've seen Charles Cross making. So yes, the penalties are a major issue, but false starts are certainly correctable. He's getting used to playing with two different quarterbacks, three really when you consider that Jacob Eason hasn't had many reps with him, if any reps with him in training camp. So there were some cadence issues. That is going to get worked out. What the Seahawks should be encouraged about, though, is how he's playing in pass protection. There's been some signs of him being a solid run blocker as well. Now, second-round picks, Boye Mafe and Ken Walker the third didn't get to see Walker the third last night, won't see him the rest of the preseason. My grade is based mostly on what I've seen in training camp from him. This kid is explosive. He's got suddenness that no running back on the team has. That includes Rashad Penny, just the ability on a dime to turn from zero to 100. He's got underrated hands. I want to see where he fits in pass protection. That's still the one big question that I have for him, but hopefully he gets back from this hernia injury fairly quickly, maybe by the season opener against the Broncos. And I think he's going to have a big part in this offense, not just as a runner, but also as a receiver, has a chance to develop into an every down back for the Seahawks. As for Mafe, he flashed in the first game. He had a strip sack, had another sack, made a tackle on special teams. There have been a lot of empty plays on the field for him, though, in the first two preseason games, which is why his grade is a little lower than the other two top draft picks for the Seahawks. There have been questions about where he fits as an every-down player, and I'm still seeing that on the field. He's gotten bullied in the run game a little bit. There have been a few plays where his gap responsibilities, he didn't take care of those. So he's going to be a situational pass rusher because he needs time to continue developing his game and growing into an every-down player. I don't see that out there yet, but he tantalizes. He's going to make some explosive plays for you. So there have been some good plays. There certainly have been some bad ones for him as well. Been up and down in training camp. Excited to see where he's going to go down the road, but he's certainly a player that's got more room to develop maybe than Charles Cross and Ken Walker the third have. Abraham Lucas, I think, has been one of the bigger surprises. Not necessarily that I wasn't expecting him you know, to come in and play well, but what he's doing in the run game. I've counted four pancakes in the first two games. He had one last night, and that was a play that I think a lot of people would have forgotten about. Luckily, Damian Lewis's injury is not as bad as initially thought, but on that play that Lewis went down and got carted off with an air cast in his right leg, that same play, Abe Lucas took his defender about seven yards down the field, plowed him into the ground, and he's been making blocks like that. We've also seen some nice plays in pass protection. He did give up a sack in the second half last night, so he hasn't been perfect, but I'm feeling pretty encouraged by what I'm seeing from those first four draft picks, not just on the practice field, but in these preseason games. As far as your day three selections, again, looking at my grades here, Kobe Bryant getting a solid B. That's weighed down a little bit by the poor performance in Pittsburgh, giving up a touchdown in that game. He hasn't been able to jump in with the starters consistently on the outside. He is getting more snaps now at slot corner, and I think he's going to be pretty solid in that position. That might be where he plays for the Seahawks right away. His counterpart, Tariq Woolen, I considered maybe a B-plus because the tackling was not very good in his first NFL game against Pittsburgh, but I thought that he really made strides in the game yesterday and had a couple really nice tackles. There was one that Marquise Blair missed his tackle, and you could have said that a lot last night, and Tariq Woolen came up, wrapped up the ball carrier, threw him down short of the goal line, so you saw more physicality from him than you saw in his first game. Didn't really give up any big receptions. 
just looks the part of a standout NFL corner. So he's still making progress. I got to give him an A minus because he's been so impressive on the practice field, winning a lot of battles against DK Metcalf in the battle of transformers. That's maybe my favorite part to watch in training camp at this point is those two going against each other. And Woolen is not back down. He has not been intimidated. And he's got room to grow technique-wise. He's winning a lot on his traits, and that's really exciting for the Seahawks. Far as the rest of the players in their draft class, Tyreek Smith, I wanted to give a higher grade because the two practices he's been out there, he was really good, and he was generating pressures. But he's now dealing with another hip injury. He just hasn't been healthy and that's putting his standing with this roster a little bit in tenuous ground. And he might start the year in injury reserve. We'll have to wait and see. But not being able to get him on the field for more than a couple of practices, he flashed and had several really nice pass rushes in those padded practices that he participated in. But then he gets hurt again. So really, this feels more like an incomplete. I'm giving a D plus just because he hasn't played in the preseason games and we haven't seen him much in training camp. The two practices he did play, very intriguing. And it looked like he could be a asset playing a three, four outside linebacker position. Just, just haven't seen much from him. As for your seventh round picks, Bo Melton's been quiet most of training camp and it's been a struggle. He had a good first preseason game. There were some promising plays on the field that quarterbacks didn't get in the ball yesterday. He did have a drop. That's maybe been my biggest issue with him to this point. Too many balls that are hitting his hands that are then hitting the ground. He has to be more reliable catching the football. He's got the speed. He's got a lot of the physical traits the Seahawks are looking for, but he's got to catch the football. And Dariq Young's been really impressive for the most part. I thought yesterday was probably the worst display he's had since becoming a Seahawk dropped a pass in the red zone that was a difficult catch. He he had a defender draped all over his hands, knocked the ball out, but did not have a catch last night. I thought he played really well the first preseason game. He's consistently been making plays in training camp too. So not going to weigh the grade down too much based on what happened last night. And the receivers in general, it was a tough one because receivers were dropping passes, but some of the throws weren't good from the quarterbacks. The offense just was not in sync last night. Not going to hold all of that against Tariq Young, but I think he's been the better of the two seventh round receivers to this point. Melton's made a little bit of progress recently. We'll see what happens in these final couple weeks of camp in the final preseason game. But right now, Young is the player that I think is much safer in regard to his status making this 53-man roster. Coming up next, I'm going to be tackling your mailbag questions. I've been promising to do this for the last several days, and with this being a short game week, we are trying to cram our game previews, and we're trying to wrap up coverage of the Steelers game, and it just wasn't time. But there's been so many good questions from you, the 12s, so I'm going to dedicate the rest of this Blue Friday episode to answering those. We'll get to that mailbag coming up here in a moment. Hindsight is 2020, and you can't change the past, but what if you could get a little help from your future self? Maybe you'd ask to borrow a little cash. Now you can with Dave. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve member FDIC. Your future self will thank you. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen 
five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out the NFL Fantasy Show as well. However you play, get the latest NFL Fantasy Draft tips from Locked On Fantasy Football and Locked On Dynasty. Starting on August 22nd, we're bringing you daily top 10 lists for Fantasy Draft Week as well. Locked On Fantasy Football and Locked On Dynasty are available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. As promised, it's time to get to an extended mailbag. We didn't actually have one last week, and then this week, the schedule's just been insane with two games in five days. Everyone knows the drill in the regular season, the one time the Seahawks play a Thursday night game. Everything is condensed. We usually can't get a mailbag in, but going to make up for that today, answering all your questions. We got a ton of really good ones with the Seahawks now halfway through the preseason schedule, halfway through training camp. A lot of really good questions from either 12s. So let's get to it. Our first one coming from David Berkson tweets, are we going to be in on any of the the on-the-bubble linebackers around the league? Could the Seahawks target any of those players for depth? Well, I think they will be. The question is going to be which players are going to be available because right now nobody really knows which linebackers are going to be released. And I wouldn't think the Seahawks would be overly intrigued by players that are getting cut in the first two waves of roster cuts. If you can't make the final 80 players on an NFL roster. Other teams are going to be jumping to line up to sign you most likely. There have been a few exceptions to that rule, and certainly there's been a few players that have ended up being good NFL players that got cut early by their initial team. But I I would expect that they are going to be monitoring the linebackers that are playing well around the league, that are battling for a roster spot. They've got their scouts out there watching other games, watching film on other teams. And I think this will be one of the positions that's the most pressing for them because the depth is certainly a concern. They started Joel DeBlanco, the undrafted rookie, who they just signed a little over a week ago last night next to Cody Barton. He really struggled in the couple drives that he played in the game. It feels like uh, Levi Jones has been a a flashy player, but he didn't get a lot of snaps last night. He's been inconsistent at times, kind of come on strong lately at practice, but got off to a fairly slow start. And then you've got players like Tanner Muse that have made some nice plays, had a sack last night, but he's been inconsistent making that transition from safety to linebacker. John Radigan's out, Ben Burkirvin's out. They've got some significant question marks. So I do think linebacker is a position that they are going to be scouting hard, looking at potential waiver wire candidates. As far as players that they'll be looking at, I need to see which players are getting cut first before making that judgment and take a look at which guys have been impressing and maybe just were squeezed out because of depth on other teams. And then we can have a better idea maybe who the Seahawks will pursue. Next question from Cody Smith tweets, who has the best chance to start at wide receiver number three? Well, your que- that's a question that I don't know I can necessarily answer because nobody seems to want that. Look at what happened last night. Freddie Swain had that awful drop. Bo Melton and Derek Young really didn't do much. So the two rookies didn't put many numbers on the board in a game that they could have given themselves a chance. Marquise Goodwin is hurt. D. Eskridge is hurt. Aaron Fuller dropped a touchdown at the end of the game. I mean, all of the players that are in a position to try to bolster their candidacy. Kay Johnson muffed a pun. I thought he looked good at receiver, but that was such a huge turnover in this football game that swung momentum even further over to the Bears right before halftime. Those are the kind of plays when you're battling for a roster spot that you just can't have happen. But really, it seems like the big winner in all of this is D. Eskridge because he's been out and it's provided an opportunity for other players to impress and yet Nobody's really been able to do that consistently in the training camp of preseason practice. I thought Dariq Young was maybe making a push for that. And then last night had a really quiet night. Again, it's just one evening, one game. He's had a good camp, played well in the preseason opener. Bo Melton's been very inconsistent. 
Penny Hart has made some nice catches in the last week. Maybe he's regaining some momentum after a slow start to camp, but just nobody's really jumped out and snatched that job. And so if you're D Eskridge, if you can just get healthy, get in the field, show off your speed, I would still think that he's your number three guy because nobody else has jumped up and taken that position from him. That's not necessarily good news for the Seahawks. They have a lot of talent at the receiver position. You can see it on the practice field, but it hasn't necessarily played out in the games. Some of that might be the quarterback play. Last night, though, there were some inexcusable drops in that game as well. So this group collectively needs to step up so that Seattle can maybe figure out who's going to be that number three receiver. Right now, I would think Eskridge is probably going to be the guy because nobody else has taken that position from him. Take Warning presents, who will be the most surprising cut? At this point, I don't know that you're going to have any super shocking cuts on this roster. It's not like the Seahawks are going to be releasing Gabe Jackson, for example, one of their highest paid players, especially with Damian Lewis being hurt now. You're not going to have any shocking cuts like that, but I'm going to throw two of the top picks from that 2019 draft class that are now in their final year of their rookie deal out there. Marquise Blair last night had eight tackles. So if you're just looking at a stat sheet, you're probably thinking he had a pretty good game, but he missed five tackles by my count. He also had a penalty where he was leading with his helmet. That continues to be a major problem for him technique-wise. He loves to be a headhunter, and that can get you injured, which with his injury history is not good. It gets you penalties, and he doesn't wrap. For whatever reason, That is a he's one of those guys that is trying to madden hit stick guys in the field, and when you don't wrap, guys are going to get out of your tackle attempts more times than not. And so all those missed tackles – he played deep into the second half last night. Some of that was because of the injuries and, and also not playing Quadre Diggs or Jamal Adams at the beginning of the game. But a former second-round pick should not be playing in a second preseason game deep into the second half. If he's on good standing, that's not going to happen. And so I do think Marquise Blair probably still on the right side of the bubble right now, but I don't think it is a given that he's on his football team right now. He's got to play much better in the preseason finale because I thought he looked last night like he was out of place. He just was missing tackles left and right. And there certainly have been some bad plays in the practice field too. He has not made the impact he did pre-injuries a couple years ago. They need him to rediscover himself or Ryan Neal's going to come back and he's just going to take that roster spot. And right now they're not going to have room to carry 18 safeties. So there's a lot of pressure on Marquise Blair. And I think you could say the same thing for LJ Collier He's trying to make it back from an elbow injury. Miles Adams had another sack last night, continues to make a push for a roster spot. He's turning the heat up on LJ Collier as a former first-round pick. Now in the final year of his deal, the Seahawks can save a little bit of money by cutting him. If he's not one of their top five or six defensive tackles, he's got to go out and prove himself. So those would be the two players. I don't know necessarily at this point Collier would be a surprise just because of how poorly last year went, but Blair certainly would be. A lot of people still had high expectations. Maybe he gets it turned around as he continues to rebound from the last knee injury that he had, but he has not looked good so far in training camp and the preseason. Flow 1100 tweets, what happened to Josh Johnson, the running back? Haven't heard anything about him since May or so. He's been one of the players that has been caught in this vicious cycle called the Seahawks not being able to sustain drives because not moving the chains, not picking up first downs on third down, you just don't get the plays. And Pete Carroll talked about it last night. The run game was effective. Their top three running backs averaged five yards per carry collectively. They were moving the ball on the ground, but penalties kept pushing them back. And then the passing game wasn't going. There was no rhythm on offense. They couldn't convert on third down. 
you cut into your plays and there's less chances to get other players in the field in a preseason game. Josh Johnson appears to have been passed by Darwin Thompson on the depth chart. So that's not necessarily a good thing for him. He hasn't been used a lot in practice, but not a chance for him to try to gain ground because he's not getting on the field with limited offensive snaps. This is the unfortunate reality right now for a lot of guys. There's some receivers that aren't getting a lot of reps. There's tight ends that aren't getting a lot of reps, linemen that aren't getting a lot of reps. And it's just because the offense isn't running enough plays. If that sounds familiar, that was an Achilles heel for this football team all of last year. So they've got to find a way to sustain drives and then they can keep that run game going. Players like Josh Johnson can get a chance to contribute some in the final preseason game in Dallas. Brandon Davis tweets, if you could guarantee three Seahawks to be pro bowlers at the end of the season, besides quarterback, who would you choose? Well, I don't think I have to worry about the quarterback situation. No offense to Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Maybe one of them will prove me wrong, but it doesn't seem like that's a position that they're going to have anybody threaten to make a pro bowl this season. Although if 15 guys drop out, like it seems like there is every year, maybe one of them will get into the Pro Bowl. But nonetheless, as far as players that I would bank on to get a Pro Bowl, Quandre Diggs would be first on my list. He's been a Pro Bowler each of the last two seasons. He's still hungry after getting a big deal because he feels disrespected, hasn't gotten those all-pro votes. He's going to be pushing for that. So Quandre Diggs would be number one. DK Metcalf with his new contract, just the freak that he is, only 24 years old, looking to take his next step forward, even with the quarterback's that he's going to have thrown to him. He should still put up some monster numbers. So I think Metcalf's got a chance to get his second Pro Bowl nod this year. And then probably third place, I'd go with Jordan Brooks. Led the team in tackles last year at a franchise record in tackles. He's going into year three, has a chance to really be one of the elite middle linebackers in football. Jamal Adams, Michael Dixon, Tyler Lockett would be three other names that I would have lumped in there probably as that third most likely to be a pro bowler the Seahawks have some talented guys but I would say Quandre Diggs takes the cake here if I had to put money down Rashad Penny would be my wild card of this group can't bet money because of his injury history but if he's healthy can be an elite running back in the NFL and could certainly be a pro bowler for the first time but I would put him in my top three just with the injury risk the durability history there Hawkstrologer tweets, what does LJ Collier have to do to make this roster and what money do we save if he gets cut? Well, I don't have that specific figure in front of me, but they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So you're not looking at a ton of money that you would be saving a couple million by cutting him. But he, I've mentioned this earlier. He's just got to get on the field and he's got to show that he can play defensive tackle in this three four scheme. Can he generate pressure? Because I think that's where he's going to fit into the equation. He's not going to be an every down guy. But he is a former defensive end that has enough athleticism rushing from the interior that he should be a problem collapsing the pocket. But he's not healthy right now. Can you get him back for that final preseason game? If he can go out there and play well, and I would expect with extended snaps, then maybe he can keep himself on the roster. But again, Miles Adams is right on his tail closing into the rearview mirror. He might even be past the blind spot at this point. This is a very close race, and Collier is far from guaranteed to make this football team. So he's got a lot of pressure on him as the Seahawks gear up for this final preseason game. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, our family has undergone significant strife with family members dealing with debilitating health issues, and it's been a struggle for me coping with it mentally. Life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me. It's done so several times, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. 
With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast for your second listen. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings over 20 years of NFL expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your upcoming fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. Continuing our mailbag segment, our first question here in the third quarter coming from Jenny. Who is on your next five to be cut list? I'm going to be honest, this is a really tough one. The Seahawks are going to have to go down to 81 players. They do have Aaron Doncourt still as that exemption up until the 53-man roster cut, then they will have to do something with him. But they don't have to go down to 80, 81 players. That means five players are going to have to make moves with. They do have a couple guys that got banged up last night. Safety Scott Nelson, for example. Maybe that leads to an injured reserve designation. That would open up one of these roster spots. But as far as players that look like they could be on the chopping block, don't want to pick on the kid because it was his first chance to start. He's a local kid from Aberdeen. But Joel uh, DeBlanco, the undrafted rookie out of Cincinnati, really struggled last night. And it feels like with the other linebackers they had playing a little bit better last night, he might have gotten his one-week audition. I don't know that he'll be on this roster when the Seahawks cut down to 81 players. I also think in the secondary, just because the corner situation, they're going to be getting Artie Burns back this week probably. John Reed, they're hoping to get back. I mean, this is a position that's got some depth, and they already made one cut with Josh Turner last week. And so I'm expecting that Elijah Jones, the rookie out of Oklahoma State, is going to be next in that list. And the safety position, Deontay Williams hasn't really done much. The undrafted rookie out of Nebraska. At some point, they're going to be making some cuts at that position. Maybe Liam Ryan, the tackle out of Washington State, he just came off of the pup list. You haven't gotten much of a look at him, so maybe that keeps him around for a little bit longer. But the Seahawks may consider making a cut there as well. Those are the kind of players I expect to be cut this week. I don't think there's going to be any shocking cuts like a Marquise Blair or somebody like that. They're going to want to give him another chance to play in Dallas and see if he can get his feet underneath him because he's shown talent when he's been healthy in the past. I just don't expect there's going to be any shocking cuts. It's going to be one of those back-of-the-roster guys at a position where they have a surplus of players. So somebody like DeBlanco, maybe Elijah Jones. Uh, they've got Eric Wilson at guard. He might stick around just because of Damian Lewis's injury, but there are positions like that where you have players way down in the depth chart. Those are the guys that are in jeopardy to get cut here as the Seahawks move down to 81 players. JB tweets, have you seen the leap from Daryl Taylor that was expected so far? Yes and no. I've talked about it a lot at training camp. He's been fantastic. You can just see the extra muscle he's added, how quick he is off the ball, playing with power, with speed, bending around the corner, haunting quarterbacks. There's been a lot of pressures. The preseason games, you've seen flashes of that, but he's also gotten bullied in the run game. That is still, to me, the biggest concern with Daryl Taylor. Is he going to be able to hold up setting the edge and defending the run? Questionable so far in that regard in these two preseason games. He's had a couple of... Uh, penalties where he's been across the line of scrimmage before the snap. Uh, neutral zone infractions had one on fourth down last night. Those are going to happen occasionally with pass rushers that are trying to time the snap, especially in the preseason. I don't think there's anything to be overly concerned about, and we've seen enough good plays from him in training camp in the preseason. I still think he's got a big 
third season on tap, but been maybe a little bit disappointed by what we've seen in training camp and the preseason so far. Maybe not quite to the level I expected. I still think he's going to have a big season, though, and he's going to thrive in this 3-4 defense. Marcus tweets, does last night's display increase the chances John Schneider tries to get Roquan Smith? What do you think? So we actually talked about this, Rob Rang and I, on our podcast a few days ago. I still think it's pretty slim odds they're going to be trying to make a move to get Roquan Smith. But I will say this, Cody Barton has been okay. I don't know that he's been good or great in training camp in the preseason. That is still a question mark. Jordan Brooks should be able to play in week one. Did not participate in the game last night, but he was in warmups. He looks like he's on his way back from a hamstring injury. So you're going to have those two guys in the lineup. But are you convinced that Cody Barton is a guy that could be a starter beyond this year? I don't know that the Seahawks should be feeling that way. You know Roquan Smith would be a starter for you immediately. The issue, of course, is you're going to have to give him a new contract. That would have to be something that would be part of the trade. We want an extension as part of this deal. Don't do a Jamal Adams type thing where you're trading for him as a rental player and then trying to squeeze a contract in. You would want to get that extension done as part of the trade. The Bears don't have a lot of leverage right now, but at the same time, they might force the player's hand too. They don't have to trade Roquan Smith. So I just don't see it happening. But the Seahawks linebacker depth, as I've mentioned, it's shaky. They've got some young guys that maybe have some potential, but they're not ready. Then they've got players like DeBlanco, who just looked like he was out of his element last night. Tanner Muse is a solid special teams player, but I don't know about playing him on defense. Their starting lineup, Jordan Brooks is a great player with all pro upside. Cody Barton, you just don't know what you have there at this point. You know Roquan Smith is an all pro caliber player, so he would be an outstanding addition. It's just going to be the cost to acquire him, the cost to extend him, have Jordan Brooks get extended in the near future. On top of that, do you want to pay two linebackers? I'm just not seeing it, but it's certainly a fun idea. And if you're somebody that plays Madden, you'd love to make that trade and put those guys in the middle of your defense. It would certainly help the Seahawks. There's no question about it. I just don't know that John Schneider is going to be aggressively trying to pursue that deal. He's willing to roll the dice, though, so don't rule anything out. Next question coming from Derek tweets, if you're running Seattle's practices, what do you do to try to fix the tackling problem? That's a really good question. And still stay within the confines of the league's rules. I don't think the Seahawks have to really push the boundary too much. I'm saying this just for being somebody that's been an observer there. And Greg Bell at the Tacoma News Tribune brought this up last night too. The Seahawks used to do some tackling where they had gymnastic mats out on the field to prevent guys from going all the way to the ground. But they were working on full throttle tackling. I have not seen them do that at all in training camp, in their padded practices. I haven't seen them do as many of the pursuit drills they've done in the past, and that's something they've absolutely got to clean up, especially when you look at how bad special teams have been the first two weeks, especially last night. It was atrocious. So they got to work on that stuff. If I was running practice, again, you have to you have to toe that line because you can't have that much physicality. You want to keep your players healthy, but you also got to work on technique, and so there's got to be ways. There's got to be drills that they can mix in and get a little bit more physical, work on the wrap, getting to the ground. If that means getting those gymnastic mats out, they got to do something because uh, the tackling has been really shoddy. And quite frankly, the, the practices, they just haven't done very much to work on those things. Even NFL players have to work on those fundamentals. So I think Pete Carroll, after seeing this a second preseason game, I think he is going to get back to the drawing board. And we will see more of those drills come back out on the practice field. They've got to do something to try to clean this up. There's too much talent on this roster to be missing that many tackles and taking that poor of angles. They'll get back to work. I think they will get it cleaned up. I wouldn't be overly concerned if they get out of the Dallas game and it's still a problem, then 
they definitely need to do some soul searching. But I expect that Pete Carroll is going to make some significant changes in terms of drill work to try to really fix this issue as we get closer to the start of the regular season. Ashley tweeting, Jacob Eason has taken some good – Jacob Eason had some good moments last night. What would it take for him to be taken seriously in the quarterback competition? I don't think that he's ever going to be in this competition. It is a two-horse race. He had to play a lot better than he did last night. And there were some good things. I'm not saying there weren't. I gave him the game ball on our post-game episode. I thought there were some good throws for him. There were certainly some ones he missed. But he didn't do near enough for me to suddenly say, you know, maybe they should open this up to a third quarterback to compete for this job. I haven't seen that yet. There's just not the consistency. He hasn't been getting reps consistently in practice. And so that's limited his opportunities to really impress. That's what happens when you're the third quarterback in the pecking order. So certainly he made some throws last night that might help him get on another roster as the number two quarterback. But Geno Smith and Drew Locke are the two that are battling for this quarterback job. And I don't see any way at this stage, if Easton was going to be part of this, he would have been part of this much earlier in the process. And he has been a very distant third. So while there were some encouraging plays last night, he also only averaged four yards per attempt. There were a lot of things that you could look at in the film and say that's why he's a third-string quarterback as well. So I don't see him being in the mix there. Washington Husky fans certainly would like to see him emerge as a contender for that position, but I just think it's too late in the game for him to be part of that, and I'm just not sure that he's done enough at this point to warrant being part of that quarterback competition. And our last question here from Doug H. tweeting, and we got to stick with our quarterbacks. I know this question angers many 12s out there, given the fact that Jimmy G plays for the 49ers, but is it Jimmy G time yet? What more do we need to see? I do think that the door is continuing to open wider and wider for this to potentially happen. The 49ers are going to cut Jimmy Garoppolo at some point. Nobody's going to trade for that contract. They don't want to have all that on the books. There is going to come a time where they're going to release him. The problem is going to be the timing. You're going to be a week away from the regular season. You're not going to be able to get him up to speed to start him. If you're the Seahawks, at least, you're not going to get him up to speed to start against the Broncos in week one. That's not going to happen. Now, if he becomes a free agent, the Seahawks could take a move there, and they could try to gear him up to be ready to maybe play in week two against his former team. You could try to accelerate that process, but it'd be a disadvantage for the player and for the team. At this point, I would not rule this out because he is going to become a free agent. The Seahawks clearly have their quarterback concerns. At the same time, I think Drew Locke needs a fair shake here, not getting to play because of COVID on Thursday night and the way that Geno Smith played, not a lot of support for him, but missed some throws, just wasn't a great game for him either. Give Drew Locke that legitimate opportunity in the third preseason game going against the Dallas Cowboys, even if it's backups he's playing against. Give him a chance to play with some starters and see how he responds because he had the momentum before he got sick this week. And so I think you have to see where he fits in and give him a legitimate starting opportunity in a preseason game before you suddenly make the leap to, we need to get Jimmy Garoppolo. If Locke gets that start and underwhelms, doesn't do enough to say, hey, that's our starting quarterback then absolutely you're hoping the 49ers cut Garoppolo so you can make a move for a guy that has led a team to a Super Bowl, has been to another NFC Championship game. Not an elite quarterback, but he has been good enough to win a lot of games with. I think at that point, Seattle would certainly be interested. But to me, the X factor here is Drew Locke. He needs to get a legitimate opportunity to be the starter, and he hasn't gotten that chance at this point. Missed out on last night's game. Let's see where he fits in in that week three preseason game, and then the Seahawks can evaluate where they're at 
at the quarterback position. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and five days a week streaming on YouTube. Coming up on Monday, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. The two of us by that point will have watched the All-22 film several times through. We're going to have our top five grades, maybe some grades that were underwhelming from this game, more in-depth analysis for our Monday musings. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.